You're listening to episode number one of Radical Shift. And in this episode, we're going to talk about the truth about gratitude and what the gurus aren't telling you. So if you have heard gratitude as a buzzword and you're trying to adapt a practice and things aren't working out for you, like your life is still staying stuck, listen up and be sure to listen to the full of this episode because I'm going to clear up a lot of the confusion out there and I'm going to give you some amazing tips on how you can make gratitude drastically shift your life starting today. And now for something a little different. I'm success coach and serial entrepreneur, Carla White, and I'm on a mission to wake the shift out of you. Filled with honesty and humor, this show is designed to lower your stress, increase your income, build your relationships, and make your journey a lot more fun. Welcome to Radical Shift. Thank you so much for being here. My name is Carla White, top woman in tech and lifestyle entrepreneur, but many of you know me as a woman who created the Gratitude app. And so we're going to discuss gratitude really in depth because it's a subject that's near and dear to my heart. I think everything starts with gratitude and I want to debunk these myths that have been flying around in the self-development Uh, world for, gosh, well over a decade now. So let me just get into this a little bit and how I got here, how I started to accumulate a whole library of neuroscience and positive psychology books and ancient wisdom and money mindset and all these different topics, going to seminars and entrepreneurship and all these um, ways, like taking my money out on a date. I I wrote love letters to my to my bills. I mean, I've done so many different things to shift my mindset and gratitude is where it all starts. I have to tell you, it all starts there. Now, if you read a lot of these different self-development books, they will throw gratitude in towards like chapter 17 or 18. And I'm telling you, that's all wrong. And once you listen to this podcast, and I really, uh, advise you to listen to the end because I'm going to give you some pretty amazing tools, ways, super simple, but super powerful ways to create a radical shift in your life just using gratitude. And first off, gratitude, I want to change it to appreciation because gratitude, that word feels like you you overcame something to achieve something. So you're so grateful. You're so like, oh, I went through this pain. And so you're almost wishing that pain into your life. But what I want to share with you is that you don't like appreciation is where it's at because the abundance is out there anyway. It's not that you have a problem with creating abundance. There's a ton of abundance. What you have is you're creating limitations to that abundance. So I'm going to share with you some powerful ways to break through that. But first off, let me just share a little bit of my backstory and how I all discovered this, because it's a very important piece to the puzzle. See, if you would have peered into my window in London, probably about 15 years ago, you would have seen this woman curled up on the sofa with a wine bottle and probably a bucket of Hagen dazs binge watching on some brilliant British sitcom until way late in the evening until I couldn't get, keep my eyes open anymore. And then mumbling something pretty poorly to myself about how fat and lazy I am as I went to bed, bloodshot eyes, you know, terribly tired, waking up with massive headaches, getting ulcers, um, getting migraines for the first time in my life. And 
I was, I, I had a career. I had an MBA. I have like, I went over there with Microsoft as a top exec with Microsoft, but I decided to branch off and start my own business. And I wasn't handling the stress very well. And that was my life. And out of the blue, uh, I got, it was November of 2005. I got an email from my mom saying that a family friend had suddenly passed away. Now that news wasn't too earth shattering, but what happened, uh, because the family friend was poorly in hospice and we were expecting him to leave it, uh, his physical body anyway. But what happened was my intuition went into overdrive and said, Carly, you got to go home. Now, I didn't have the money. I did. I was planning to go home in February. My brother was expecting a baby. I wanted to see this new baby. Uh, and home was South Dakota. So it's not like it was a cheap place to just get to. You know, I needed a good grand to get there. And so, but when I got that email, it, I just instinctively knew I had to get a ticket home. So I booked for Christmas and flew home for Christmas 2005. And when I arrived, uh, my dad, he, he wasn't himself. Now I was the only one who noticed this. I, I was the only one who noticed that he was having a hard time walking and breathing and his whole body seemed heavy on his on his bones. And because I was the only one who noticed it, I didn't say anything to anybody because I didn't want to rock the boat. I wanted this to be a really nice visit. I didn't want to upset anybody. I didn't want to be the one who causes problems. And so I kept my mouth shut. And I spent, I think about 10 days at home with my family doing the usual stuff, you know, kitty parties and uh, dinners over at my sister's and hanging out with my mom doing dishes, nothing spectacular, but nice and fun. And then my parents take me to the airport. I go home to London and I barely have my bags unpacked when I get a phone call in the middle of the night from my brother back in America. And he's telling me through choking tears that dad had suddenly passed away. Now, I had no coping mechanisms for stress to begin with at that point. And when I got that phone call, I just crumbled. I fell to the floor and I crumbled. And I went home to the States, went to the funeral, went through the motions, you know, the ups and downs of a funeral. And when I made it back to London, I just threw myself into this failing business. I'd work late into the evening, binge eat, binge watch, binge whatever, binge smoke, whatever, and basically self-medicating myself, trying to get the pain away. And I remember one time I was flying down the M4, I believe it was the M4, in my little Honda car. Just I just had to get, like, I couldn't get away from my thoughts. And the thoughts were driving me so nuts, telling me, Carla, you know, like, it was, I blamed myself for my dad's death because I didn't say anything. I didn't get him into the hospital. It was my fault that he died. And so these thoughts kept like, you're such a failure. You're, you're so awful, you know, like such deprecating thoughts. And I was flying down the M4 just hoping that the little Honda would like go tail over front and just total itself out and all my pain would be done. Then I'd be done. But I got home and uh, 
my husband scared to death for my well-being said look we got to get you back to the america we got to get you back home to be closer with your family he didn't know what else to do and he didn't know that i worked my tail off to get to london to begin with like going from a farm in the middle of america where you barely have two cents to pay for a pair of shoes to getting a high-end corporate executive role with one of the top companies in the world takes a lot of work. I mean, I had to live out of my car for a good part of my life. (laughs) I had to like finance things through waiting tables, babysitting, walking dogs, whatever I could. And going home seemed like the biggest complete failure. But I didn't trust my own judgment. I mean, it was, I blamed myself for my dad. I blamed my poor judgment for my dad's death. So who was I to say whether we should go back to America or not? So I, I told him, we, we packed up a couple of bags. I told him I'd give him a year. And spoiler alert, we're still here. Um, <laughs> the vortex. But uh, we got home and here's the sad thing. Things got actually worse. Things got worse. I got double pneumonia. I mean, failed business behind me, walking no more because we drove big two-ton trucks everywhere, eating sun chips, thinking they were healthy foods, <laughs> drinking micro brews, you know, working. Then I had a job, um, a government job, and I, I mean, just wanted to poke my eyes out with a fork, just did not like it at all, and um, ended up in the hospital with double pneumonia. And the doctor says, here's something for your double pneumonia. And hey, you better get something for your depression too. Now that's the first time anybody labeled my condition as depression. Nobody knew. My husband did not call and say I was depressed. My family did not say I was depressed. Why? Because I could hide it. Depressed people can hide their depression. We become masters at it. We put a big smile on our face and we can hide it very, very well. In this podcast, I'm going to give you all sorts of tools and tips so you do not have to hide it anymore. You can be your full, genuine self. But at that point, I was still hiding it. And when she saw it, the doctor saw it, that was news to me. It was a wake up call. And I went home. And I did what everybody does when they want to change their life around. I Googled, (laughs) I Googled depression cures. And in the list, I found something that it was an article about a mother who lost a baby and a family who lost their home, a woman who went through cancer, um, a man who came back from Iraq and all these people who like, who had horrific stories, found meaning and purpose in their life again. They like had like they were actually happy again and the one thing they attributed it to was focusing on what was working now at that time in the planet earth uh the secret was just starting to become popular and gratitude was starting to become a buzzword oprah was starting to promote its well-being like its worth but for the most part people didn't really know what it was and i didn't know what it was But I like this idea of writing down a few good things each day that were pretty decent. So I pulled out a notebook right then and there and started writing. Like I started writing things like, hey, my last words to dad were, I love you. I got to give him a hug. 
Um, he didn't go through any pain. I'm with my family. Mom's okay. You know, I just started writing all these different things and I kept it up every single day. Every day I'd write five, 10 things. And then about two months later, I'm out for a walk. The weather's turned. It's nice out. And I'm going through all the different things I'm going to write in this new journal of mine. I'm writing things like, hey, NASA offered me a job and I lost a few more pounds and I'm sleeping great through the night. And gosh, I haven't cried since I don't remember when. And as I was going through this list, it hit me that my life had done a complete 180 from when I was in the hospital just a couple months prior, barely able to breathe, not sleeping at all through the night, like taking every sort of sleeping aid under the sun to just get an hour's sleep, two hours sleep. And here I was sleeping through the night, money increasing, health increasing, relationships better. My life completely changed. And at first I was like, what pill did I take? What did, what, what did I do? It took me a while to realize that it was because of that journal that I was keeping. And when I put the two and two together, that it was a gratitude journal, when I made that connection, I thought, oh my God, this is way too easy. Why isn't everybody doing this? Why didn't somebody teach me this in school? This is so remarkable. And I thought, I got to tell the world about this. Now, Steve Jobs had just held up that new spectacular iPhone, the version one, and marveled the world with that uh, probably about three or four months prior. And the SDK was just rumored to hit the market. So I said to myself, honey, you're going to make an app for this. You're going to make a gratitude app. And there's going to be like one woman out there who's going to download it. You're going to save her life. And she's not going to want to go flying head over tail out of her car down the highway to get rid of her pain. And you're going to save her. So every morning at 5 a.m. before going into my day job, I'd buckle down and figure out how to make this dang happen. And I had people helping me though halfway through the project and all the way through my money, money all gone. They'd say, hey, I can't work on this project anymore because apps are a fly by the night sort of thing and they ain't going to work. And by next year this time, nobody's even going to be using them. This was 2008, friends. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, 2008. So anyway, gratitude launched. It's helped hundreds of thousands of people. It's connected me to the most remarkable people on the planet. Changed thousands of lives. I still use it every single day, but more so I have dove deep into this subject of gratitude and I've discovered that there's some, it, it, what's being told to us is like the universe is Santa Claus. And if you say thank you, you're going on the nice list and you're going to get some more good things in your life. And I'm going to tell you right here and now, it is not like that. Flat out, it is not like that. The universe is not like Santa Claus putting you on a good list. Okay. First off, it goes like this. Let's talk about the law of expectation, which is you get what you expect. It's pretty simple. So, but let's break it down a little bit more. Let's put it into a scenario. Let's say you're looking for a job or you want this job and it's a pretty decent job. You know, you're pretty, you're, you're good for the job, but you also heard somebody else what is going for it as well. And they seem to have a lot more skills. And so your confidence is a lot lower and you're probably not expecting to get it. You're expecting it to maybe be a mm or something. So your emotions, your feelings, you go into it with 
anxious apprehension. And that anxious apprehension plays out in your subconscious in different actions and movements. Because if you're anxious and you're apprehensive and there's any sort of threat of this outcome, your subconscious is going to do what it can to either take you away from pain or bring you to pleasure. That's it. It's not like you're a bad person or anything. It's just everybody's wired the same like that. Now, let's take that same job and let's say that the boss invited you out for lunch. She thinks she'd be perfect for the job. She's just begging you to take it. Well, then, and, and you all the time, most of the time, 99% of the time, because confidence is so key to achieving things. I mean, you don't, the world is not that you're short of ideas. You have a ton of really great ideas. It's having the confidence to ex execute on those ideas, to get out of your own way and do them. How do you have that? How do you have that day in and day out? How do you know your purpose and go out and just actually do it? It's through gratitude. It's through gratitude or appreciation. Okay, so let me get into this a little deeper. When you sit down and you physically write out eight things, and I say at least eight, I mean, there's some journals, I mean, they're like the one minute gratitude journal. Come on, when you realize how powerful gratitude is, why would you just give it one minute? You do a 24-7 gratitude, honestly. So here's what happens. When you're writing it down, your brain, as smart as it is, doesn't know whether that moment it's feeling, because the feeling part is really key, is happening now or in the past. It just knows that it's happening. And you can choose that emotion. Your brain cannot be anxious and grateful at the same time. It doesn't have a dual processor. It has a single processor. And so you pick which emotion. And even when I was in my darkest days with my dad's death and anybody who has gone, gone through mourning the loss of a loved one, especially when it's unexpected. Oh, I don't care. Like any loss of a loved one. It's hard. It's crippling. The simplest things turn out to be super hard. But you can find gratitude if you in the smallest of things, and it's really key that you can find it in the smallest of things. Most people think I'll start a gratitude journal when I have good things coming into my life that I can actually write down. And that's completely backwards. Because if we look at it from a quantum physics way, quantum physics states that everything is nowhere and everywhere at the same time. It's by giving your attention to it, that it comes to being. Okay, yeah, that's crazy, right? So what it means is the more you give your attention to something, the more it comes to be. And a lot of people like to call this the law of attraction, but you have to give it energy and action too. You can't just be staring at a picture of money and it's going to appear in your mailbox consistently over and over again. It doesn't work that way. Although some people would like you to think that it doesn't work that way. It's training your brain to find the best in everything. Because when you do that, when you're writing it down every single day, eight things, at least eight things. And the reason I say eight is because eight is the number for abundance. When you turn it on its side, it's a symbol for infinity. And I believe the word gold or abundance appears in the Bible eight times. So eight, at least eight, don't go for five minutes or like do it's so powerful. I'm going to give you a really good trick at the end of this too. So um, 
let's get back into quantum physics. You're giving your attention to what is there. And you get to pick what's there. You can pick that you're not enough, that there's lack in the world, that um, your spouse isn't enough, your kids aren't doing enough, your boss isn't doing enough. Or you can choose to see things like you have so much going for you. You have these gifts. There was one of my mentors said that nothing is done to me. Everything is done for me. And if you take that attitude, you change every situation into having joyful anticipation and you have the expected outcome that you want to achieve. Even if it isn't the outcome that you thought you needed, it's an outcome that you ultimately appreciate getting. And that's so, so key. If my dad didn't have his untimely death, I wouldn't have gone on this spiritual soul searching journey and had the opportunity to help hundreds of thousands of people. Now, which one would I rather choose? That's not the question. The question is, did I find meaning and purpose in a really dark situation? Did I change change my mess and make it my message? Yes. And that's exactly what all of you are capable of achieving. So here's my little trick. Number one, write down like every single day, write gratitude. As you wake up, focus on the abundance, focus on the appreciation. It shifts everything in your day. When we wake up, our minds want to find its identity. It wants to know geographically where it's located, what time it is, and what's happening. And to find that identity, we normally instinctively reach for our phones. And our phones are designed to be addictive as crack cocaine. And I'm going to go into that in another episode because I think it's really important you understand how this works. As somebody who's been creating iPhone apps for well over a decade now, the science of that addiction is well defined. (laughs) And so they know that they know that that's going to be addictive for you. And they'll want you'll want to reach for your phone, like in the middle of the night, or when you first wake up or before you go to bed to help you fall asleep. It's all very addictive. And it's you're losing your power because those devices are also designed. um, And they're not so much designed, but they're a product of fear and lack. In the top three industries in the United States depend on everybody to feel fear and lack. They are arms. And I worked for um, a Pentagon program in Washington, D.C. It was a $3.5 billion program, which sounds like a lot of money, but it was also just a sliver of the overall budget. And I'm going to get into an episode about that whole experience as well. So anyway, that's how much, it's a ton of, ton of money, crap ton of money that goes into arms. And then just behind, in arms, of course, you got to feel fearful of these people who are just like you. (laughs) I mean, it's so crazy, all these different ideas about individuals. If you, if you've never traveled internationally, I highly recommend it because you will realize just how much alike everybody is. And then, um, the next industry is pharmaceuticals, which talk about the white elephant in the room. Can we please? When I went to go get my teeth cleaned the other day, the dental hygienist, she asked, what medications are you on? Not, are you on any? what medications are you on? And I said, I'm not taking any. 
And she seemed a little bit dumbfounded. And I said, does everybody have a medication? And she said, yeah, pretty much even the kids. Lo and behold, over 75% of Americans are on at least one prescription drug or more. Whereas 25% take five or more because, you know, you got all those side effects. Yeah, take this for your depression and be sure to carry a pair of extra panties around because you're going to poop your pants. I mean, seriously. And here's the other kicker. Eight of the top 10 prescribed drugs are for stress-related illnesses. Stress. So let's nip this in the bud and let me give you something that will help you overcome that, help you get unstuck really super quick. This works every single time. I give this to all my top clients. So here's what you do. It's called 30 for 30. Every day for 30 days, you write down 30 things that you absolutely love. I love the smell of cut grass. I love the smell of rain. It doesn't matter. Write down 30 things and then say them out loud. Do this every single day for 30 days. Now here's the kicker. You can't repeat anything on the list. So if you wrote, I love playing with my kids on day one, you can't write that again. But the good news is, is that you can write about things that you don't have yet. You can write about the new lake house, the trip to Vermont. It doesn't matter. Now here's what will trip most people up. They'll give up at around day 17. Why? Because they aren't really seeing the returns. It's a lot like this. It's compound interest. So let's say you have a choice of getting a million dollars today or one penny that doubles every single day for 31 days. What would you take? Well, most people would take the million dollars, right? But here's what's cool. If you take that penny and one day it's one penny, two pennies, four, eight, 16, right? By day 17, you only have a few thousand dollars. So you're kind of looking around at the other guy going, man, I got the short end of this stick. But when you get into day 27, in day 28, 29, by day 31, you have over $3 million. And that's how gratitude works. You put the focus on, you put the focus on, you put the focus on. And before you know it, your whole life is different. All right, rock stars, thank you so much for tuning in. Now, if you have a question for me, head on over to the Apple Podcast to Radical Shift, rate this podcast, leave a comment with your question. And if you want me to give you a shout out on Instagram, leave your Instagram handle as well. Thank you so much. And be sure to join me for the next episode of Radical Shift, where you discover how your identity can change everything. Thank you so much for listening. Now, if you want to create a radical shift in your life, all you have to do is head over to thegratitudeapp.com and that will take you directly to the app store where you can download it and start using the Gratitude app today. Now, if you're the type of person who loves to help out family and friends, be sure to share this episode. And if you ever want to reach out to me, just head on over to Instagram at White. I'd love to hear from you and hear your comments. Until then, keep being limitless, keep being adventurous, and keep creating radical shifts.